0: Hello, and welcome to Mind Body Greens beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and beauty director, Alexandra Ingler. Today, I had a very special conversation with a beauty icon, Veronica Webb. Veronica was the first black model to land an exclusive major beauty contract, which was with Revlon. She has had a long, robust, and groundbreaking career, and when you speak to her, it's very clear why she is so loved in this industry. She is warm, empathetic, and thoughtful. I first connected with Veronica about a year ago when I was the moderator on a panel about sustainable fashion and lifestyle choices, and she was a panelist. I am so pleased and honored that I got to have another conversation with her, which she will be listening to shortly. And we got to talk about so much from how her daughters influence her sense of self, the differences between grooming and beauty, and how she has kept such an immaculate glow for all of these years. Veronica, welcome. Hi, Alexandra. How are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Obviously, you and I know each other from about a year ago when we were able to do that panel together about sustainability. And today, we're going to be focusing more on beauty. And I, I am such a fan of yours. And ever since I got to connect with you, I've just always been um, so endeared by your warmth and your generosity. So I, I know this is going to be a beautiful conversation, but you know, just to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, I would just love to hear more about your career in your own words. How did you get started in the modeling and beauty industry? Can you tell us your story? Well, I was always fascinated by it because fashion was something
1: that was always around our household. My mother was a great seamstress. It was something that she did to relax when she got home from work and she made most of our clothes, either sewing them or knitting them or, I mean, you name it, you know, my mother made it. It was a huge point of pride, you know, she really made clothes to make us happy. And she made clothes to help us prepare to become who we wanted to be in the world. And I grew up in Detroit and I really wanted to model. And my mother was very smart, very much ahead of her time and said, you know, I think the best thing for you to do is to develop your personality, get an education, get a high school diploma, and you have to get accepted to college somewhere. And then once you work all that out and you get a job and you make your own money, so you know what it's like to have, you know, a work a day job, if you want to try it then fine. So long story short, got accepted to Parsons, was there for a semester, was working in a store in Soho met a a crew from a Vogue shoot that came in because they were shooting somewhere nearby. And of course, you know, I worked at like the grooviest, coolest home store that there was in Soho at the time. And they all suggested that I become a model and started calling agencies. Had no idea what I was doing, had no idea how the business worked, had no idea how to get in front of a camera and make an outfit come alive. But it was my dream from looking at magazines and watching movies like, you know, bunny face and mahogany that one day, you know, I would be up there inspiring people through fashion and beauty and allowing them to travel and think of themselves in all these different professions and identities. I mean, very much in the same way that a lot of us, when we're kids, you know, we play with our dolls, we play with our Barbies, we read our books and we try on the idea of what we think we would like to become. So there I was and it's uh 88 and the, or 86 and I'm in New York and everything's mysterious. You know, there's no cell phones, there's barely, there's barely cable TV, no internet, no social media. So, you know, you're really just feeling your way through the dark. Right. Um, and, I wanted it really badly. And I had a background in ballet, which helped me tremendously, you know, to be able to make shapes and whole poses and understand the discipline that it takes to stand on the set hour after hour, you know, taking minute directions because this is before, you know, like Photoshop to, 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 To Photoshop a picture was like $20,000 per picture back then. Well, people really didn't do it. Like what you saw was what you got. And, you know, ballet is like also a very cruel world. There's a lot of rejection. There's there's high demands, you know, physically, emotionally, psychologically. So that really prepared me for modeling in a lot of ways, but I was not prepared for the business. And that was something that, you know, I, I, you know, I took, it took a long time for me to learn. Cause there weren't many books on how to manage a, a, a freelance career at that point. That wasn't something that was as widely available to people as it is now, because. You know, we can make so many connections through these gig economy platforms and there's so much to read and so many forums. So the best thing that my mom did for me was when I told them that I was dropping out of school to pursue my dream of modeling. My parents made me pay them back for the money they they had spent for the semester. They made me also become completely independent. I had almost no time to adjust. So I was working like three regular jobs In order to keep myself in New York. Plus, you know, showing up to modeling gigs. And my mom made me start a 401k when I got my first paycheck, which was a job that I did with Bruce Weber for French Connection. And, and Grace Coddington was, was the stylist on the shoot. And from there I was kind of off, you know, and running. I mean, that's your first gig. That's not so bad, right? (laughs) No, I'm I'm all I'm always grateful that, you know, I landed with the best and got, you know, great training, I was treated with respect and handled really well, and it
0: made me want to stay in the business. So, you have had a beautiful and lengthy and groundbreaking career. One of the more notable points is you were the first black model to land a major beauty contract. What was what was that like? And how did that affect you? Because, you know, that was that was so major.
1: Well, the wisdom at the time was that black models couldn't sell covers. Black models couldn't sell products to a larger market. And there was a lot of frustration among all of us because we were performing at the same level as our counterparts and not being paid in a fashion that was commensurate because modeling really isn't about, you know, what color you are or how tall you are or, or how thin you are. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's about the feelings that you can convey And the feelings that people get when they look at you in a picture. And when that contract finally happened, it was extremely competitive. Everybody wanted it. And, you know, black, white, yellow, green, young, old. Everyone wants a contract in a freelance economy, in, in a freelance business. Because then you know where your money's coming from. And you're not wondering day to day, week to week, you know, are you going to get hired by who, when, how much, you know, how long before, you know, my money actually comes to me. When you have a contract, you know, that, you know, you're, you're working these many days and you're working here and you're getting paid on this day. And it helps you have, you know, much, much more consistent lifestyle and much more control of your lifestyle. So for me personally, that was like a big thing. And it also, you know, allowed me to do amazing things for my parents, like, you know, finished paying off their mortgage, buying my mother, you know, buying my mother the car she wanted, you know, things like that. That when you're just in your 20s to be able to offer that to your parents who worked their fingers to the bone and loved you and sacrificed everything for you, the, those are incredible accomplishments, you know, and things that like stay with me in my heart, you know, forever, like remembering seeing like the happiness and relief that being able to extend that gesture to them was on a larger scale in terms of the business. It, you know, there's part of it where you're so excited, but then you also kind of have survivor's guilt because you feel like, you know, you, you can kind of feel sometimes, especially at that time when it was only one black, person at a time only one black model at a time you could feel guilty for your own success like um you know you you were shutting out your friends you were shutting out your colleagues and then on on the flip side of that it's like you want to do a great job of course you want to do a great job because you want to make sure that you don't mess up this opportunity not only for yourself but for everybody else And when I look back at it now and I think about my daughters, who the youngest one is 17, that contract was 30 years ago, right? So they've grown up in a world where, when they look at beauty advertisements, I mean, and what's happened in the last, I would say, 24 months is like off the charts, but they grew up in a world where it was normal to see women of, you know, different ages different different ages different skin tones different
0: ethnicities different orientations different sizes yeah like just different even like aesthetics.
1: Sizes, so much sizes sizes that's new sizes that's really like in the last 24 24 sure.
0: to 36 yeah. months i mean ashley yeah, graham probably right on that yeah
1: yeah like like ashley graham broke through you know as someone who was not i mean like you know anna nicole was like this big plus size girl right but She was almost, she was almost like a caricature and in a way like a a joke. Whereas like, you know, Ashley Graham is the girl next door.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, you know, my kids have grown up in a world where it's, where it's normal to see, you know, women who are every shade of the rainbow, who have every preference and orientation. Is represented in the rainbow, considered to be like penultimate symbols of inspiration and aspiration and beauty. So, you know, that means a lot. And I think that what I was able to do at Revlon and what the company was brave enough to say, hey, we're going to do this, it caused a huge
0: change in the industry. Yeah. You know, just to follow up on the question, since you, you know, brought up your daughters and seeing the changes in, in the industry over the years and watching them experience, you know, a different, a different side of media. It's not perfect, but an evolving media. What changes do you see in the way that they look at themselves growing up? Whereas like how you felt when you were their age, are there differences?
1: They are fully the authors of their own beauty. They don't have to wait for A gatekeeper to publish an image of of themselves or someone who looks like them in order to validate what their idea of beauty is, and they're so much. Neither one of them has a mold that they try to fit into, and you know they understand that beauty is inherited, and that when they look at my face, they see my mother's face. Oof, yeah. And when they look at their face, they see my face and it's like the hope and the power and the strength of, you know, generations and generations and generations that's reflected back to you in the mirror. And whenever, you know, they don't feel good about themselves or the way they look, you know, I'll say to them, do you think, you know, I'm fat or I'm ugly or my nose is too big or my my eyes are too small or my hair is too curly yeah you know same. and then it's like you look like me and i look like you and we all look
0: like my mother yeah that is such a beautiful sentiment and i think it just speaks to this idea of how how we speak about ourselves is so important right it's everything
1: it's everything because You, you know, you, you have thoughts and then you speak your thoughts into existence. And then once thoughts are spoken to, into existence, then you, the idea is out there for
0: yourself and other people to act on. So the ways you speak about yourself are important, even from a neurological standpoint. The way you think literally creates new pathways in the brain. It all comes down to the concept of neural plasticity, and there is a lot to discuss within this concept, but today I am just going to bring up a very interesting tidbit. Researchers have found that those who speak to themselves in the third person when practicing self-talk were actually kinder to themselves than those who did it in the first. For example, I might say, I don't like the way my skin looks today, However, if I change that to the third person, I might say, Alex is feeling self-conscious about her rosacea flare-up." It's a subtle difference, but noticeably kinder to myself, right? And it really does go back to this simple fact that we tend to be kinder to others than ourselves. So if you struggle with taking that advice about speaking to yourself as you might your friend, you might actually benefit from speaking to yourself in the third person. It definitely sounds weird at first, and it might feel strange, but once you get used to it, you might find that it is the missing link to your positive self-talk. I I I love that, and like I said, you've obviously had such a long and varied career, and I'm curious, what are you? What are some moments in the career that you're most proud of? Are there things that you look back on and you know say that was that was a hallmark of my time? That is something that you know I. I feel deeply passionate and, and happy that I did
1: all business is relationships, right? And so what you have from modeling more than anything is your memories of being, you know, your memories of working with people, your memories of being with people, like, you know, being with Isaac Mizrahi, you know, when we were both really young kids and you know, he had just graduated from
0: Parsons and I had just dropped out. I um, <laughs> yeah. love that like thinking of like, I don't know, such icons growing up together, you know, that very right? me and happy to think I- about.
1: <laughs> and Isaac was a designer at Calvin and we bonded because we have the same texture hair and the same kind of sense of humor. And, you know, there's not a day that goes by that you know, I don't think of him or he doesn't think of me. And there's not a week that goes by that we don't talk to each other. And, you know, being there and watching him develop, you know, and being part of it, you know, helping him develop his business and his ideas of fashion and beauty and, you know, what it means to be a designer, what it means to be a creative that's something that i really treasure i mean those fashion shows are so special and then being one of carl lagerfeld's favorite models during during the launch the relaunch of chanel and the rebranding of chanel you know and and staying friends with carl you know for 25 years all those things you know All those things—it's like you—you learn so much, and people open open up such a big world to you. Especially someone like Carl, you know, who was so wealthy and worldly and talented, and you know, knew everyone, traveled everywhere, and had read everything and seen everything. And then, you know, my dear friend Azadine Alaya, who taught me to speak French and kept me safe always when I lived in Paris. And again, those shows were epic, epic, epic. Like when you look at like as you chose from the nineties, it's like each single show is like most other designers, entire career, you know, and and like one of the misconceptions about modeling is that, you know, everybody gets rich, but that's not true. Most models, I mean, work if, if you're, if you're lucky, you have a, a career that's three to five years and you make some money and you meet some people and you have like, you know, maybe a little bit of a leg up when you go on and go back to school or do whatever it is you want to do in life. It's very rare that people stay in the business for a long time and, you know, really make a substantial amount of money out of it. Yeah. And it's an expensive business to be in too. You know, very often people don't realize that you know, you got to rent, you have to rent a place and you know, this was a before Airbnb. So either you had to stay in a hotel or you had to rent an apartment and you, and you're in the most expensive cities in the world, New York, Milan, London, Tokyo, Paris, um, you're always on a plane. If you want to make money, you know, you, whenever the phone rings, you got to move. So it doesn't matter if it's someone's birthday, If you're in Los Angeles and somebody needs you in Cairo, you just go. And so, you know, you miss a lot, you know, you miss like that regular Wednesday, get together with your friends, you miss birthdays, you miss, you know, anniversaries and people be, you know, and, and, and people being born. So there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to it. I mean, it's, it's an amazing career. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I think that there's also when people think about modeling and fashion as a career, really think about it as a business. You know, it's not just all fame and bullshit and pretty clothes and champagne. There's, you know, there, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of discipline. There's extreme discipline. Like for me, I'm someone who tends to gain weight. Um, And also because of the kind of food that I grew up eating. So like I grew, I'm from Detroit. And so it's like being from the South once removed and everything I grew up eating was baptized in deep fat. So I really had to change my, my eating habits up immediately and really quickly. And even though I was from a ballet background, if I'm, if I'm not getting that kind of exercise consistently every day, it shows in my body. So, always no matter what, like finding a place and a time to exercise and maintain your body, whether you feel like it or not, that's, that can be very nerve wracking. And then you get, and then you have to be careful that your self image and how effective you are and how valuable you are doesn't get tied to how much you weigh or what you look like. So, you have to, so you have to separate the commodity that you are from the person who you are that sounds challenging one yeah it is especially since there's so much attention and adulation that you can get for it and there's so much sacrifice involved in creating it that so why would you ever want to it's 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 very difficult to be able to step away from it
0: just to follow up on that point because I think that's really interesting especially nowadays because I think that what you just said isn't only you know applicable to modeling I think I think all of our careers have just you know we 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 identify with them so hard and especially now with Instagram and being on social media and trying to you know make influencers and personalities out of ourselves like we really just we base so much self-worth on what we do and what we're able to put out into the world that it becomes hard to to separate that and say this is what I do. And then, you know, this, this person inside of me and this person with my family and this, this other person is, is myself. And so, you know, I, I think it is absolutely applicable in the case of modeling, but I think it's applicable in a lot of, a a lot of ways. So I'm curious for, for our listeners who might be struggling with, you know, how, how did you find ways to, to separate those, those two beings mentally, because I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's hard and it can take a toll on you.
1: Well, you know, I think one of, you know, one of the things that I used to tell myself all the time is, you know, modeling is not who I am. It's what I do for a living. Right. And I have tremendous pride in it and I love it. And you know, I have, and I'm passionate about it, but it's not who I am. It's what I do for a living. And, What matters, I think, most to me at the end of the day is what kind of friend I am, what kind of mom I am, what kind of wife I am, and I really believe that like your religion is the way you live your life and how you treat people. There's and none of us are perfect, you know. I I snap at people sometimes. I snap at my kids. I snap at my husband sometimes. I'm not perfect, you know. I'm not like. Zend out and goop down all day long. That's not who I am. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I love like that. Yeah. Being human all the time. I think having a part of you, like for me, when, you know, I started writing, cause I had made, that was something that I always loved to do when I was a kid and I was great at it at school. And it was a place where, I felt successful and I had a lot of pride there. And that's something that I then developed into secondary career. And I worked as an editor for Mary Claire, for Interview, for Details, for The Source, for Spin. I wrote for Essence and Elle and the New York Times and the London Sunday Times. And that also was a measurable skill that I could get better at in a measurable way constantly and it wasn't tied to my age or my looks or my ethnicity or anything else. It was just, you know, pure talent. And then running was great for me too because that's also something that you do, but you do it to nourish yourself. You're not doing that for a living. You're doing it to sustain and nourish yourself. Um, and then, Dancing, Like, you know, I take all these little dance classes and I take dance classes even, you know, on, on YouTube sometimes. Like, I'm like, you know, forget it. I'll just learn like a Brittany routine this afternoon. And that's something that I do for myself. I,
0: I love that advice. You know, I think it's just so important to have a robust life. As you were saying, you know, you develop skill sets far and wide and you know some of them you 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 turned into a secondary career some of them were just for for you and only you and i really do think that is so important for people to remember especially in this day and age where it can feel like you know everything that you do you have to hustle at it or make some sort of like side business or put it on instagram you know you should create a robust life that is broad and serves you in a lot of different ways. So I think that's beautiful. I think words for all of us to live by. I want to get a little bit more into beauty. So let's start off by asking, what is your beauty philosophy? My beauty philosophy is
1: own your age, own your beauty, own your power. Mm. Like you never hear men get together and say, oh, you know, how you doing? You know, you're looking good. And then, you know, while they're saying, well, oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm almost 50. I got wrinkles and I, you know, I'm (laughs) sagging or I'm fat or I'm this or I'm that. Women apologize for their age and their looks constantly. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's something wrong with not being 21 and looking perfect. There's not. we only have today. Sure. And, my daughter once said to me, well, mom, you know, if everything that you're chasing all day long, every day, and your most valuable asset is something that you're, you know, you there's there's no other way but to but to lose it, you know, referring to youth, and you can't get it back, you can't recreate it because you're talking about time, you're living a crazy life. So I think it's really important for women to say their age, to be proud of their age, to think of their age as an accomplishment, as a milestone. As something to be, you know, celebrated rather than something to be apologized for or hidden. And then owning your power, if you're alive and you're taking care of yourself and you're moving forward, there's a lot of power in that. Sure. And it's yeah. important to you know share that with other people and demonstrate it to other people rather than, you know, pretending like there's something that's
0: not good about that or wrong with that. I love that. I really do. You know, and I, I, you're absolutely right. You know, I think we, we do try to shrink ourselves and I think it's important for everybody to just stop doing that. (laughs) Stop doing it all the time. You know, it's, it's okay to, to be proud of yourself. And I think, I think that's a beautiful message. I, I I want to get into some you know your skincare more tips and tools as well just because you know you obviously have such such beautiful skin and you have the skin that has just like this natural beautiful glow about it like you just I I feel like every time I see a photo of you I'm like this woman just truly truly radiates <laughs> so I'm curious you know what how do you take care of your skin what what is core parts of your skincare fundamentals well creating
1: it is really important you know I'm not perfect there there are plenty of times when
0: I fall asleep with makeup on it happens sure Um, (laughs) oh I I do have to admit that to to everybody I'm sorry guys I do it too (laughs) but
1: I think is but but I think it's a really important one you know to try to you know to try to go natural as much as you can so that you take the chemical burden off of off of your body because you know, we find out so many things about chemicals over the years, right, that we don't know at the time when, when, when we're using things freely like talc powder or toluene that was in nail polish forever, right? You know, things, things that we think that are inert, but over time turn out to be not, not okay. So, I think as many days as you can just use natural single ingredient things, it's a good idea. I have a couple favorite skincare brands. Tatcha is one of them because it's clean beauty with incredible
0: science. For what it's worth, I love Tatcha too.
1: Definage is another favorite brand of mine. Clean beauty, incredible science. I think it's really leading edge for science. And then Valmont is, hmm. yeah, great Super luxurious to die for uh treat yourself day you know i love those and then you know just really like always adding in natural oils i think really help you you know really really help you a lot and then Oz garcia is a nutritionist that i follow very closely uh tabitha round in her, in her vegan life is someone also who i think is tremendously helpful for 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 skin for skin and beauty and. Walking, I think walking really regulates your mind. It regulates your blood flow, regulates your heart. And, you know, not everyone lives somewhere where it's safer. They can go out and have a long walk wherever they want. But if you can, you know, go to a mall or go into a museum or find a school that might open their, their, their track and field facilities up to people, maybe one day a week, walking is really important.
0: Was there anything that you did when you were younger and you, you look back now and you go, wow, I'm, I'm really glad that I kept that habit up because, you know, I, I see a difference in my skin from having done that long term.
1: I love fruit and vegetables. And when I was a kid my mother used to have to hide the produce when we came home cuz I would eat everything. But I'm an omnivore. Like don't get me wrong. I can I can I can hook up a steak in in a hot, but yeah, that. So be, being an omnivore, eating a lot of fruits and vegetables especially and not being afraid to sweat. You know, my mother always used to say like never let
0: your hair stop you from doing something that you need to do. Ah, love that. So you obviously work in an industry where you are surrounded by beauty professionals, whether that be hairstylists, makeup artists, dermatologists, estheticians. Are there any beauty hacks that you've learned over the years that you just are like, wow, that was a great tip and you still use it? Beauty hacks. Okay. So let's
1: see drinking water. So I'll, as soon as I get up, take a sip of water and then I keep that glass of water with me even if I have to take it in the bathroom or in but that glass of water follows me around until I leave the house and so that sets my body off on a good path for the day if I have sore muscles um a bath with epsom salts does the trick every time always 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 pluck your eyebrows with a serious magnifying mirror and. Remember to take off, remember to take off the stray hairs that are above your eyebrows, not just the ones that are on the brow bone. One of the best things, like if your, if your complexion is dull and you don't have acne or rosacea or a really sensitive, um, skin condition that could be aggravated by oil or scrubbing. If you, if you take like a little bit of coconut oil and a little bit of sugar and you mix it up together, and you put it on your skin, like a little mask, and let it and let it sit there for about two minutes. And Definage makes a great one that's called Two Minute Reveal. That kind of does the same thing. But you know, to make it at home, it's always a good thing to have in your back pocket. Leave it on your skin for two minutes. Then the coconut oil and the sugar are, I think, closely are 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 the two compounds that most closely mimic the fat lipids in our skin and you get in the shower, you rinse it off. And then when you get out, do it again. Right? So you get like all the dirt and the dead skin off and then you get, and then when you do it again after the shower, right, then you have fresh clean skin that you can then treat to a a natural mild exfoliation. Um, another great mask is you scoop out the seeds of a papaya plain yogurt but it has to be like you know a natural plain yogurt make sure that there's no additives gums sugar um, preservatives and you and you take like two heaping tablespoons and you put that in the blender with all the seeds from from the papaya and you can put that on your face and that's a natural glycolic peel and that's a fabulous one and then if you're really in a hurry and you don't have anything a spoonful of honey. If you spread a spoonful of honey on your face, that that will also give you a
0: glow. So I love all of her DIY masks and hacks here, but I just want to quickly highlight the honey option. If you want to supercharge your mask, we recommend using Manuka honey. It has more benefits than regular honey. However, it is much more expensive, so if you want to use regular, do try to find an option that's at least organic. So honey is naturally very hydrating for the skin because it's actually a humectant. Humectants are ingredients that pull in and hold water in the skin. It is also great for inflammation and can calm down reactive skin such as rosacea and acne, both inflammatory skin conditions. It's also fairly well-tolerated by lots of skin types, so most people can use it. We seriously love a one-ingredient mask around here, so definitely give Honey a try. And obviously, you wash it off after a couple minutes. Sure. I always love a one-ingredient face mask, so I I fully support that. (laughs) I'm also a lash food addict, right?
1: I hear a lot of good things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I love mascara, but you know, if you can skip it, it mm. <laughs> you makes your day and your night a lot easier.
0: Totally. So, you know, we we talked about your daughters earlier, but I I want to ask when you became a mom. Did that change your views on, on beauty and taking care of yourself? I hear from a lot of women, when they do become moms, there is a shift there. What did you experience?
1: When you become a mom, taking care of yourself is dead last. That's because, you know, children require, especially babies, as much as every adult in the room can give them. And you're so concentrated, like, you're so concentrated on keeping that kid alive and growing it that that's the only thing that you can focus on and raising a baby from zero to one. The first time you do it is the hardest thing you will ever do in life. It is so nerve wracking, you know, cause they don't come in with instructions. And even though, you know, you may have seen your friends raise babies or whatever, your sisters do it. But unless you're, unless you're there in the trenches, 24 hours a day, participating in all that hand to hand combat, you have no idea like how, how much it requires all you, but you relax also because you realize what's beautiful about you is the things that you already have and the things that you pass on. And your kids do not care if your nails are done. Your kids do not care how much you weigh That child loves you and they and they see nothing but beauty in you. And it kind of recalibrates your whole ideas that of like beauty is all display and it's about, you know, how you look to other people and the ritual making you more presentable. And all that is fabulous and it has its place. But again, you know, grooming. Grooming, which is different than beauty, grooming is something that, that you do to amuse yourself and to look better. But beauty is deep down, you know,
0: beauty is who you are deep down. I love that. I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> Please do. I, I really think that's a, such a beautiful distinction and you are spot on. So I'm I'm absolutely taking that. Kind of going off this a little bit, what are some pieces of of, of advice do you give younger people, including your daughters on, on self-confidence and owning themselves? You know, we, we've talked a little bit about this throughout the episode of owning your power, but I think it can be especially hard to talk to younger people about this, especially when they're at such vulnerable ages. You, sometimes you tend to not to take this advice. So how do you get through to, to your daughters and younger people? You know,
1: I don't know if I have. And of course, you know, it's, it's normal for any teenager to go through a hundred million things and to doubt themselves because your body is growing and changing and, and expanding and contracting in all these different ways. And so is your brain. So of course, everything's completely confusing because the goalpost is constantly moving. You know, at one, at one point, you're, you know, in one moment, you're a kid and and, and, not, and less than a moment later, you're an adult. Mm. So it's really, you know, it's really kind of tough to navigate all that. I think that, you know, in terms of confidence, if you're taking care of yourself and treating your body with respect and asking yourself every single day, you know, is what I'm doing adding up to my own personal strength? Is it making me physically stronger, psychologically stronger? emotionally stronger, financially stronger. And if the hundreds of decisions that you have to make all day long, and yes, you are allowed donuts, but they should add up the majority of your decisions and, and the people that you associate with and the things that you put into your body, on your body, the places that you allow your feet to take your body should be adding up to your personal
0: strength. It actually slides into my next question. So effortlessly, we, we've we talked a little bit about your skincare and beauty routine, but you know, I, I personally believe that everything is skincare from how much sleep you get to what you eat to, like mm-hmm. you said, how you move your body. So let's talk about your overall wellness routine you know, how, uh, how do you feed your body? What, what are some of the core nutrition principles that you live by?
1: Well, my, I, the first thing I eat every day is raw. So it's going to be like, you know, nuts or fruit or a vegetable or potentially a juice. Although I don't really do juices too much unless I make them at home and they have all and they have and it's a then it's a whole fruit or vegetable because I want the fiber. And then I have one coffee a day that I cold brew that I make myself. I love my own coffee, I have to say. And also I'm super opposed to spending like six dollars on a cup of coffee every <laughs> single day. Fair. That's, but it's like <laughs> not so. That's like most people's 401k. And then I'll do something like, you know, overnight oatmeal for lunch. It's usually a salad with some lean protein or a soup with some lean protein or rice with lean protein. I always try to make my meal like uh, 60% protein, 20%. As it's a dark green vegetable or a complex carb. And then, as Southerners like to say, my starch so and I try to keep my starch as good so you know farro or a whole grain rice or something like that and yes I like pasta but it's got to be good pasta and then dinner as early as I can I'm careful where my meat comes from because I don't like you know I'm not trying to eat too many I'm not trying to eat too many hormones or chemicals and I try to stop eating. I try to stop eating by seven, eight o'clock. And then, you know, this intermittent fasting thing, that works. I do that sometimes too. So, you know, basically like the the thing that saves the day always is 60% protein, dark green vegetable at every meal and a great complex carb.
0: So well-rounded. Next point of this is how do you move your body you mentioned that you love walking but you know what other ways do you do you move yourself
1: I do yoga I've been doing it at home since COVID started so you know just right I get right down there on the on the floor between the wall and the bed or if nobody's in the living room I take that over and I'll just do a class online my friend Edward Vilga teaches a great class he also started this great thing called 12-minute yoga for people who need yoga but were afraid to ask. And 305 Fitness, their classes are tons of fun. And what else? And then my girlfriend who has been my best friend all my life. We met on the first day of nursery school and we're still best friends. She has a fabulous facility out in Monterey called Electron. And I take and I take her body weight resistance classes three times a week. And we do a lot of kettle and and we'll use a kettlebell in that class too. And I have a weighted hula hoop. And that, like, you can, you can literally like watch a movie
0: for an hour and and it's fantastic. Wait, I love this. I, I'm absolutely going to go buy one right now. It's only on Amazon. Okay. That is incredible. What a fun way to, to move your body. Oh my God. I love that. The last piece of this puzzle of, you know, whole body wellness, I think is mental health and stress management. and. You know, dealing with your emotional resilience. What are some ways that you practice mental
1: health? When I feel anxiety, which is kind of you know normal in this in in our current environment, and it tends to hit me at the end of the day because during the day, like I'm 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 too busy. I'm you know tr- trying to do what I'm trying to do and take care of my family and you know create business and and navigate the social media world, which you know, there's there's always something new and there's so much, you know, and there's just there's so much that you can you can fall prey to and especially feel like you have to compare yourself to, which is like, forget it, that's like a grease pole in nowhere. That's like a bottomless pit of misery. And at the end of the day, lots of times, you know, my head can get very loud. And I just have to tell myself, I'm happy and everything is okay. And There's a wonderful saying, you know, you can only be as happy as your least happy child. And I take stock of my life, my family's life. And I think about what's good and what's working. And that gives me a lot of solitude and peace. You know, the breathing exercises in yoga, the breathing in yoga, the, 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 working the working the tension out of your body slowly is really important. I also have a what's it called? higher dose, higher dose. Yeah, so I have my higher dose sauna blanket and that's really relaxing. So like I'll do yoga and then I'll put my and then I and then 15 minutes before I want to get in, I turn I turn on my I turn on my blanket usually. And then I'll put it in front of the TV and I'll either like pick a great movie or I'll read. I read a lot. Reading relaxes me because it forces your mind to focus only on one thing. And you're controlling the images that come into your mind because you're the one who's making the images. So reading allows me to slip into a perfect world. And then I'll get in the sauna blanket for like an hour or two hours and just read or I'll watch a really good movie.
0: Well, I just to round out this episode, you know, we met each other on a sustainability panel and we talked about living eco-friendly and that is a big part of our ethos here. So, you know, what's like a quick tip or a quick uh, piece of advice that you can give people about living more eco-friendly? How do you practice that in your, in your life? Buy a French press coffee maker. <laughs> There's no waste. Sure. There's no filter, there's no pod, there's no electricity. One, I also love French press coffee. And two, it just shows you it's a very, you know, you can fold in more sustainable practices in so many points of your life without really even having to make big sacrifices.
1: And then also, you know, one of, one of the biggest things that impacts our carbon footprint is what people refer to in the retail business as the last mile. So every time you're, you can, when you order something from Amazon, you can check a box. It says, you know, that it doesn't need to come right away, that it can come in three to five business days or eight business days or whenever, and that all your packages can be combined. And not only is it more sustainable, but you also get $5
0: back every time you choose that option. Again, really just like solid tip that people can just easily fold into their life. I I feel like this whole episode was just filled with just sage wisdom that is inspiring yet practical. Um, And so I appreciate you sharing it all with us and taking time to, to chat with us. Like I said, I, I have been such a fan of yours. And so being able to talk with you here was just so exciting for me. I really appreciate you doing this and, you know, I, I, I appreciate you again. Thank you so much for
1: having me, Alexandra. And you know what? One day we shall meet IRL in real life.
0: Imagine meeting in real life. (laughs) Whenever that is, we we will. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for coming by and listening to today's episode. If you liked this episode and you like this podcast in general, don't forget to rate and review us. And I will see you next week.